Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Welcome to Church Live Online. I'm glad that you are joining in during this period of time in our history uh, that you have chosen to stay connected, even though you may be isolated. Uh, maybe you're not. Maybe you're starting to get out. Uh, either way, I'm glad that you've joined in uh, on one of our uh, social media platforms or on our website. Thank you guys so much. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and I'm really glad that you're here today. We're in week five of our series called After Effects. And before we dive in, I want to let you know that we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and, and uh, Acts chapter 1 uh, throughout this morning as we turn this page on week five of After Effects. What happened after Easter. But there's a couple things I want to let you know. Um, first and foremost, um, we have some people in the room today. So it's not just our production staff. Cynthia mentioned this earlier. We've got a few of our staff members here as we are beginning the process of beginning to plan um, to gather and worship. When is that going to be? I don't know. But I want to let you know that if you see um, a silhouette here today or if you see someone walk by the camera, um, you're not watching Mystery Science Theater, and only a few of you will get that reference, but I'm one of them that's old enough. Uh, this is our staff, and uh, we're beginning to get some more staff back in uh, here and really just kind of getting back into the routine. One of the things that we've done, uh, for better or for worse, is, is we have kept up a live uh, broadcast or a live stream uh, rather than do pre-recorded. There are several reasons for that, but uh, I wanted our staff to be in here and so thankful for you guys, our staff. Yeah, give yourselves a hand uh, who are here. A few of them are here today and so glad that they're here. Secondly, I want to invite you to be a part of Starting Point. We have a Starting Point class and Starting Point is really for anyone, but if you are new to the faith, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior recently, um, or maybe you're returning to the faith, or if you're a skeptic or you have questions, um, there are no questions uh, that are out of bounds. There's no thought or skepticism in starting point that uh, we will ignore or downplay. And uh, we're doing that via Zoom on Monday nights, 6.30 to 8. I'm leading the class along with some of our uh, leaders, Scott and Patrice Smith, who have led many times to kind of lead our starting point ministry. And so I want to invite you to be a part of it. We're in week three, but that doesn't matter. You guys can jump in and you can join in at any time, uh, starting point, every Monday night uh, from 6.30 to 8, live on Zoom. And so I want to encourage you to check that out. And uh, today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, obviously, the words will be on the screen, and uh, we'll be taking a look here at uh, the fifth week in our series called After Effects. Winston Churchill once said, it's not enough to have lived, we should be determined to live for something. We should be determined to live for something. And Jesus, in his appearing to over 500 people over the course of 40 days, after Easter, after his resurrection, he came back to this earth and he appeared for, for over 40 days to over 500 people. He began to answer the something for the church. What is it that we live for, not just living? And I think that question, what am I here for, is one of the great questions that we all ask at some point in time in our lives. We grapple with questions like, what am I here for? What am I created for? What's my purpose? What's my mission? Many of you have probably read Rick Warren's book. He wrote it in 2002 called Purpose Driven Life. 
Rick Warren wrote this to help answer some of these questions. And actually, he asked it this way, and I love how he asked it. He says, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? The book sold over, to this point in time, it sold over 50 million copies, and it's arguably one of the most successful books next to the Bible that's ever been written. He answers some of these very difficult questions. But a lot of people don't know that um, in 1995, years before he wrote Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren wrote the same book, Purpose Driven Church, to church leaders and pastors because for a period of time and throughout the course of human history, the church has easily gotten off task. We've gotten off purpose. We've gotten off mission. And so he wrote the book, Purpose Driven Church, to help bring some intentionality, to bring some focus back onto what we call the Great Commission. It's the mission that Jesus gave to the church, and we're going to be taking a look at that mission today in this fifth in the series called After Effects. Now, so far in his post-resurrection appearances to people, we have seen Jesus do amazing things. He met two men on the road to Emmaus, and he helped them recognize who Jesus really was. He offered Thomas evidence that he was who he said he was. This man that doubted Jesus and doubted that he was who he said he was. He offered Peter a second chance, the man who had denied him. He showed up first to a group of women changing the game for women's involvement in expanding God's kingdom and spreading his message around the world and the view of women in the world. And today we come to this point in time when Jesus lays out what our mission is. He helps us define as the church and as people who make up the church what the something in our lives should be all about. And he does it in a dramatic way. In fact, I would say that after he rose again from the dead, after he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, here at the 40th day, when he's reappearing to over 500 people, he does the thing that is most important, and he formally gives the mission of the church. And so Hilton Head Island Community Church, those of you may be joining us from somewhere else who may attend other churches, I want you to hear that this after effect set the course of history. It set the course of the church and it set the course for you and me, for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers in terms of what we are supposed to be doing for him, what we're supposed to be about for him. Let's take a look from Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. It appears to 11 of the disciples here as we discussed a few weeks ago. Here we go, verse 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in verse 19 he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now that great commission that we call that today, it's this great mission or commission. He commissioned the church to be about something. It's repeated in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. The gospel of Mark reads this way. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
And so in those two gospels, in those two uh, passages, we see this synoptic gospel of Jesus um, giving the mission of the church, giving the commission to the church. And it kind of begs the question, this great commission, this mission that we're to be on, it was given to these disciples. So how does it follow that it was given then to the church? And if it was given to the church, was it given to the church at large? Or was it given to the organization of the church? Or the people that make up the church? Or individuals called to a specific thing or a specific calling within the church? And the answer to those questions is largely yes. I believe that it's all of the above. I believe that Jesus gave this commission to these disciples so that they would begin the process of taking the gospel to the ends of the world. But I believe also based on other evidence from 2 Peter and a variety of different passages throughout the New Testament and by the way, the Old Testament, that it is the mission of God followers to take that good news and to tell the whole world. You see, the Great Commission is the mission for the Christ follower, and it's the mission for the church. It's a both and thing. It's something that when we as God's people are collectively about, then the church is on mission for Jesus. The church is about his gospel message. That word gospel means good news. Now, it's interesting, there are two parts to this great commission, this mission he's given to the church, and we see it reflected in Matthew and then in Mark. In verse 19 of Matthew 28, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's the verb in the original language, the making of disciples. But then in Mark, he says, in verse 15 of chapter 16, as we just read, he says, Go into all the world and proclaim, there's the verb, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And so we have two parts. The second part that we just read in Mark is the evangelism part. It's a two-part mission. It's evangelism. And then the Matthew uh, passage says that we are to make disciples. So it's both and. It's evangelism. That word proclaim in the original language is the word for speaking with our mouth. And so that's the evangelism part. And then the disciple-making part is kind of the second part. And that's the part that's listed in Matthew 28. And the church is supposed to be on this two-pronged or two-fold mission to evangelize, to tell the world, and to make disciples. Sometimes we make this mission a little bit too complicated. We do that as humans a lot, don't we? We make the simple things of God too complicated, and sometimes we take the complex things of God and make them too simple. And essentially what he is saying in terms of evangelism is proclaiming or speaking with our mouth. You know, years ago, there was a, a large corporation that decided that they needed to get the word out about what they were doing, and they called it, they created a new department, and they called it their evangelism department. You see, the secular world took a page off of Jesus' playbook to get their word out, to proclaim the message of their good news. But church, our mission is so much greater. It's an eternal mission. It's something that counts not just for today and not just for tomorrow, but it counts for eternity. And so we 
are to be about evangelism. And then the second part in Matthew, the first one that we read is disciple making. And that means taking people and teaching them what Jesus taught and making them disciples, not of you, not disciples of me, but making them disciples of Jesus, the one who came to die for our sins, the one that gave us eternal life and the hope forever. And you see, our mission as a church reflects this two-pronged mission. When we became a church in 2007 and when we became our own church in 2012, when Low Country Community Church spun us off in 2012, we designed a mission statement that would hopefully in a moment, in a very small amount of time, in a very small statement, be able to describe what we're all about. And so our mission reflects that. The mission of Hilton Head Island Community Church is to passionately share, there's the evangelism part, the message of Jesus, and to lead people to follow him. That second part is the discipleship part. I remember when we were coming coming up with that statement, and we had created that statement, I had a few people say, well, isn't the mission to, to save souls? No, that's God's work. He does the saving. We do the proclaiming and the disciple-making. It's his job to save people. Well, isn't it your job to, like, make people follow him? Well, it says that we are to make disciples, but we can't force people to become disciples of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's work. You'll hear about more about that in two weeks in After Effects in our last in our series. But the mission of Hilton Head Island Community Church is to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. And that reflects the twofold, kind of the two-pronged mission that Jesus gave the church when he appeared to them, those disciples, and he gave to us. You know, it's interesting, a motto is just a motto. Um, core values are core values. A vision statement is a picture of a preferred future. It's just that. It's a vision statement. But a mission statement is supposed to, a good mission statement in one or two sentences or in one or two thoughts will accurately answer so many questions. And Jesus, way before marketing was a thing, understood this when he told the disciples, go and make disciples and go and proclaim And he gave the answers to many of the questions that we might ask. And giving us the Great Commission, Jesus answered all these important questions for the Christ follower and for the church about our mission. He answered the why. Why are we supposed to do this for his good, for his glory? The what. What are we supposed to be about? We're supposed to be about disciple making and proclaiming. When? When are we supposed to do it? We're supposed to do it now. More on that next week. Where are we supposed to do it? He, he gave the picture of going into all the world. And then how are we supposed to do it? By teaching them all that he commanded. By baptizing people, Christ followers, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now I remember growing up, I grew up in a church that was pretty serious about this. And, and in fact, um, when I was a teenager, I was about 15 or 16 years old when God began to um, kind of birth my calling into full-time Christian ministry. And our church had a, a group of, of teenagers, a group of students who were called into full-time Christian ministry, and, and it, they, they created this kind of little uh, discipleship group for us called Marked Teens. Not, maybe not the best like marketing thing there, but it, there was a reason for that. It's a whole sermon for another time. But they gave us opportunity to, to kind of flesh out our calling, to work on that. And one of the things that they did was um, they had a missions trip that we went on. And a lot of you have been on short-term missions trips. 
Um, I, we went to Venezuela. We went to Maracaibo, Venezuela. And Jesus is in here. He's from Venezuela. He's from Valencia, Venezuela. And so uh, I told Jesus I'd be, I'd be talking about Venezuela, but I would be very kind to Venezuela. And I, I, I am very kind to Venezuela. But I went on this missions trip. I mean, we had preparation. We learned verses. We learned how to share our faith. We went through this whole process. And, and, and I was, um, I, I hope that I've changed a little bit since then. I, I was really kind of a pain as a teenager. Like, I had to know everything that was going to take place before it took place. And so we went on this mission trip, probably about 12 people. And I remember asking Jeff, poor Jeff Cranston, I, I asked him a thousand questions. Hey, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen in a minute? What's going to happen in an hour? What's going on? Where are we going to stay? Bah, 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 bah. And I, I was just kind of like all wrapped up in all the surroundings. I wasn't getting the mission of why we were there and what we were doing. And it was kind of funny because I came back, and I had a good time. It was really hard work, and it was, it was actually a lot of fun. We helped build a, a school there in Maracaibo, Venezuela, a Christian school. And, and uh, we joined together with some other churches and that sort of thing. It was really a very cool experience. But when we got back, these marked teens from our church had to get up in front of adults, and we had to give a story of what God did in our heart during that week in Maracaibo, Venezuela. And everybody talked about what God did in their life. And I came back, and I said, I'll tell you what God did in my life. He, he didn't call me to be an international ministry. He didn't call me to be a missionary to a foreign country. And I could see my pastor in the back kind of like trying to hide behind the chairs. Like, oh, I cannot believe he actually said that. But he told us to tell the truth. So I told the truth at that point in time. And I've since come to realize that the Great Commission is something that's given to the church. But it's also something that in terms of going into all the world, that we all play a part in it. Even if we may not be called to full-time vocational ministry overseas, we all play a part in this if we're serious about the mission that God has put us on. See, we're to accomplish our God-given mission as we are living our lives. One of the things that landed on me shortly after we got, we got back from Venezuela is the, this idea of Jesus in using the exact words that he used gave something before he gave the verb. He gave the verb make disciples and he gave the verb proclaim that we are to be proclaiming. But he used a word that we often miss and the word is a simple word in English and it's go. Go. But what I didn't know at that time is that the word in English, go, in Greek, means something drastically different. It means as you are going. It means as you are living your life, make disciples. As you are living your life, proclaim the gospel message. That doesn't mean that people aren't called to a specific group of people. God may be calling you to, to go over to Africa or to Europe or somewhere when we can travel again, somewhere overseas. He may be calling you to a specific people group or a specific movement. He may call you individually to actually go, but indirectly he calls us all to go and be a part of international ministry, but also be a part of the Great Commission of proclaiming the gospel. We all play a part in that as we are living our lives. 
And I realize that Jesus' main encouragement there, the big idea that he's communicating, is that as we are living, as we live our lives, we are to be about proclaiming the good news, the good work that he's done in us, the good work that he's done in redeeming mankind. See, the mission begins with go. And go means as you are going or as you are living your life. And listen, Christ follower, we can all do that wherever we are. Whether it's in a school, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's in your home, in a neighborhood, whether you move here or move away from here, we can all be about going and making disciples. And we can all be about going and proclaiming the gospel message. It's a lifestyle, but it's so much more than that. One author puts it this way. He wrote this. He said, it's not just a lifestyle command, but a summons to join God on his mission to redeem a people from every single tribe and language and people and nation. And once I realized that the idea that Jesus was trying to communicate in that great commission was go, I realized that his great commission is natural. And it's relational, but it's also intentional. That as we're living our lives, we ought to communicate to people that we come in contact with the great work that he's done in our life. What happens then is the Christ followers then not coerced but called into a, a natural assignment. The Christ followers not coerced into an unnatural assignment, but called into a very natural and relational assignment of sharing the good news. And also the church then doesn't become defined by a location or a place or a building. And I'm so glad that's true, especially during this time of COVID-19 and wildfires covering a whole continent like we had in January. We thought that was bad. Oh my goodness, we had no clue, did we? And, and murder hornets or murder wasps and a subtropical system that's way too early off our coast. Like in this day and age, I am so thankful that Jesus didn't make the church be defined by a location, a place, or a building. A location, a place, or a building is absolutely a tool in the gospel message. And I'm so thankful for this location, place, and building. But you know what I'm more thankful for? I'm more thankful for you being on mission. I am more thankful for us being on mission, being together, being unified behind this. Because the church is defined by a community of people accomplishing their God-given mission as they live their lives no matter what the circumstance. No matter what the outside world looks like. No matter what storm is brewing in the Atlantic, or the Gulf, or the Pacific, no matter what insect comes here from a foreign land, no matter what virus we have, do you realize that the gospel message is being spread more now worldwide than any other time in human history? More people are hearing, more people are listening, more people are paying attention, and there are more avenues for that message to be proclaimed and while I don't believe for a moment that God allowed COVID-19 to happen to punish the world, I do believe that he's using it to get our attention. And I do believe that he's using it to spread his gospel message. And church, we don't need to look at this terrible virus 
as an insurmountable challenge. We need to view it as an opportunity to be more on mission, to be more focused on what we can do as God's people, as his followers, and as his church collectively to share his message, to make disciples, to see people's lives changed through his message. You know, during this period of time, we've all had to, we've all had to isolate, we've all had to quarantine, we, none of us love it. I mean, even some of you who are introverts, I'm sure at first you were like, yes. And about three weeks in, you were like, I'd like to go to a restaurant like everyone else. It's all been extremely different, and it's been very frustrating during different periods of time. But now we're beginning to see the light, aren't we? We're beginning to see a downward trend, at least in our state. And I know that's not true everywhere, and it's not true for everyone. And we need to continue to be praying for people in our community and in our state, in our nation, and in our world who have come in contact with this. But we do see a downward trend in our state and in Beaufort County, and that means that we're going to be moving hopefully pretty soon from phase one to phase two, and we start, we're starting to see signs of that. Um, we as a church are involved with other churches on our community. Um, we, we've had a task force that we've been involved with with the Chamber of Commerce to help us determine when is the right time to start to determine what new practices we will implement as church leaders. And we're trying to lead the way on reopening and restarting. And sidebar, side note, for those of you who have been affected financially, I am praying for you. I am praying for new business. I'm praying for return business. I'm praying for something of a new start and a fresh start once this thing is all over and even during it. And we as a church are moving forward just like um, many businesses and many organizations are. And, um, you can find out more at hiltonheadislandcc.org slash forward. We're using that as the way to communicate to you what we're doing. And we're kind of looking at things in kind of a two-week period of time based on how this thing is going. And um, kind of step one is having some of our staff back in here for worship. Um, you know, hopefully soon we'll be able to gather together, but we're taking a very responsible, careful approach to that. We're also not being fearful. We're also not being fearful. And so you can check that out. In fact, um, the week after next, we're going to begin to open our community center for some of our groups to meet together, one group at a time, 10 people or less, but at least you'll be able to get together. There's some other things on there, and you can be paying attention to that. I'm praying and, and I'm hoping to see you soon. We miss you. I miss you. I love, I love seeing your faces. And I really missed for nine weeks um, going into our 10th week and not being able to see you. And I'm prayerful and I'm hopeful that it, during this time that we can continue the spread of the gospel message. During this time while we wait on God to end this virus, we can be praying about what we're going to be doing when it comes back. That during this time, we individually and corporately and collectively will pick up the phone and check on someone who may be in a vulnerable population. That we will be responsible that when we're in public that we do the right thing. And I want to encourage you to be about the gospel even during this time. To be about the great commission that Jesus gave us while we wait. While we wait on him. It doesn't mean that we have to stop. In fact, it's a great opportunity for us as a church. There was a period of waiting. Next week, you're going to hear from Justin in week six of our, our series, After Effects. And I can't wait for you to hear from Pastor Justin 
about this, this uh, sixth kind of uh, appearance or this sixth time that Jesus engages with people. It's really quite amazing in the after effects. But as he began to give this uh, great commission, the book of Acts records something I think is kind of interesting, and I think it's kind of appropriate for us today as we close. Acts, Luke records this in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It's actually right before he, he kind of gives a little bit more of the specifics of his great commission. Luke records it this way, And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem. Essentially, Jesus was like, hey guys, guess what? Uh, you're going to self-quarantine right now, all right? You're going to stay in Jerusalem. And he tells them to stay in Jerusalem for 10 days. He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not many days from now. And church, while we wait to get back to whatever a new normal is, I don't know about you, I don't like that phrase, but whatever. It's what we're facing, the new normal. We can continue to be on mission. We can continue to, to find that intersection of God's great commission for the church, his great mission for you, but your purpose. That's when you see God do amazing things when you find your place in this great commission, in this mission of Hilton Head Island Community Church to passionately share the message of Jesus and lead people to follow him. And so while we wait, I want to encourage you to flesh that out. I want to encourage you to be praying about where your spot is. What's your role? What's your, where's your voice in this proclamation of the good news of Jesus? Listen, church, there is so much to accomplish. There is so much more to be done. I believe that our greatest days are ahead because our mission has yet to fully be realized. It has yet to fully be accomplished. We have so much more work to do, and we can do it during COVID-19. We can do it as we prepare to come out of this quarantine and isolation, and boy, I think our greatest days are ahead, spreading the gospel message to the ends of the earth. What part are you going to play in this great, great, great commission and mission that he's given us? Would you pray with me? This morning, I'm going to ask our worship team and band to come on up here. I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you so much that the mission that you gave the church is nothing small. It's nothing ordinary. The scope was massive. You said to go into all the world. You gave us a, a wide range. It's a unlimited area in terms of this world. You gave us and entrusted us with the mission that you yourself were on. God, what a great honor. What a great honor for the men and women and the students and children who are within the sound of my voice, myself included. What a great honor it is for you to include us God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you've included us in your great work. God, help us to realize that 
probably the most important after effect of you coming back to this world and spending 40 days here and appearing to over 500 people was that you clearly gave us the mission. This is it. This is our mission. At the end of the day, this is what everything is filtered through, both as a church, capital C, as this body of believers, but also us individually, God. And I pray that we would um, take ourselves less seriously as people, but Father, I pray that we would take our mission incredibly seriously. God, will we take that? God, will we God, be on that for you? Help us to be on that mission to allow what we do and what we say and how we act to be filtered through this great thing that you've entrusted us with, God. I pray that you would use today to inspire some who maybe have been sitting on the sidelines to get involved, to encourage some people who may have not really found their whole shape and found what they were created for to begin that process. God, I pray that you would use today to spur some on so that when it's time to come back under the new normal, that we are ready. And in the meantime, God, I pray that you would help us find ways to be on mission for you, both as a church and individually. God, help us with that. Help us with that, Father. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us voice. Give us, may you grant us opportunity. And Father, may we make the most of every bit of it that you've given us. Thank you, God word. Thank you for your mission. Thank you for this time that we could at least come together online and worship you. In Jesus' name I pray.